0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin, so kick back and press play.
1: With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by BetOnline. The college football playoff has concluded, but the NFL playoffs are about to begin. Plus, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, and more are in full swing. BetOnline has all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and info. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out their Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State of State. We all bow to the altar of Terry Smith because lockdown you has struck again, this time in the transfer portal. In one day, Penn State has landed two cornerbacks in the transfer portal. One is a former five-star recruit in Georgia defensive back, A.J. Harris, who is Only played one season, a true freshman, seven games at the University of Georgia this past season. The other is Florida cornerback Jalen Kimber, who has played two seasons, ironically, between Georgia and Florida and has two more years of eligibility. This is a huge day for Penn State football rolling into 2024. Justin, I am thrilled that we do this show with you because you actually had a hand in recruiting Jalen Kimber once upon a time. So I want to start with Kimber and we'll get to Harris here in a minute. What do you think about Kimber overall?
0: Overall, he was a playmaking type of DB. I remember he was one of the last defensive backs that I extended a scholarship offer presented to the defensive staff before I left and went to the XFL. But the one thing that I remember, he was a young guy at the time. So we offered him early. It was a talent that you could see. And I want to say we were probably his third or fourth offer at Penn State. So he was like an early identification type of prospect. But he had the traits, right? He moved well. He moved efficient. He was had length. And he made plays on the ball and finished plays. Um, so, I mean, he went ended up going to Georgia and whatever happened there, transitioned to Florida, And you know, as we see in this new college landscape, found his home back at Penn State. But, again, he was, was a player that I was always um, fond of from his skill set and uh, productivity on the field.
1: There's some consistency here with what Penn State is doing this go round in the transfer portal familiarity with Julian Fleming familiarity with Nolan Rucci same thing with AJ Harris we'll get to that in a moment but the same thing with Jalen Kimber does that familiarity with Kimber breed results we're gonna have to find out but looking at the corner position altogether for penn state you've got five guys currently on the roster before these transfers happen that are listed at cornerback cam miller zion tracy elliot washington the second lamont Payne, and on davian collins who was a transfer from mississippi state last season collins looks to be somebody that they're molding for the future looking at kimber is he a plug and play starter the second he walks in the building
0: um, just knowing, uh, I mean, knowing my, my my pop's personality from a coaching standpoint, it's always com- compete and earn your spot. So I don't know if he's a, anybody's. I think he has the ability to be a plug and play that type of guy that has played in two different SEC programs to step in and play. I think he definitely has the um, skill set. But I, I I know that that's not a case where somebody's just a shoe. in Even for AJ Harris, I mean, we'll get to it. Five-star recruit that I thought was, I mean, like Holly up coming out of high school as well. Physical, fast, big, uh, good football instincts as a football player. But, you know, he's had limited reps at Georgia. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys come in and get a chance to compete. But I think it's a definite step up in the a talent acquisition um, lane for Penn State defensive backroom.
1: Lockdown, down so, you. Locked down you. So obviously no one's going to be handed a starting spot. Storm Doc sure. learned that the hard way. But when you look at the <laughs> overall ability – Of Kimber versus the existing field of Penn State corners, do you expect him to be a starter eventually?
0: I love how you reframe that. That's some good broadcasting interviews. Use them words good, you know. Yeah, they're gonna write. So with that, with that being the case, he does have the ability or the the skill set that you would think he would be one of the starting quarterback corners by the time the season starts. So. I mean, guys that are internally in that room, man, come, come ready to compete. This is like a new dynamic that is very interesting that you don't really get the experience until you get to the NFL, where it's like, oh, you see this vet, him and the organization are arguing about a contract. He leaves. You're like, yes, I'm ready. I'm stepping in. It's my time to go. Then next thing you know, somebody's coming in with their, no pun intended, their Louis duffel bag. And it's like, hey, I'm going to start a corner now.
1: <laughs> yeah, now <laughs> well, bring your Louis. Yeah, that's a big thing now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now in college football it's happening so players guys that are on the roster keep sharpening because talent acquisition is never stopping
1: no it's not uh looking at kimber's uh stat lines altogether again started at georgia in 2020 so he's got two years remaining of eligibility due to the covid season uh two years of georgia limited reps altogether. And then he gets to the University of Florida and really has a substantial amount of playing time. Um, Overall, 39 total tackles in four seasons, which uh, I I wouldn't necessarily freak out about if I was anybody being like, hey, that number should be higher. Six passes defense. Again, really started to get significant reps at the University of Florida this past season. uh, And just one interception that came in 2022. So the stat lines, you and I talk about this all the time don't get hung up on stats it's a case-by-case basis the really positive thing i think about this guy is that he's got experience in the sec experience against top end speed considering the way the big 10 is going to change next year with washington usc ucla and oregon arriving you're going to need somebody who can hang with that type of speed I like him getting added to this room, and I really—I I don't mean him getting added to this room and an assumed starter at some point is a snub to any of the guys Penn State has right now. I genuinely think and hope Cam Miller is that number two or maybe even the number one corner. We have to see where things go, and you've said it before when we got on the heels of the Peach Bowl is that what can happen between a bowl game and next September can be significant, and I think hopefully and you would know better than i that is the hope specifically for cam miller in the building
0: i mean it's it's always beneficial to develop your internal talent or the talent that you brought through in the recruiting process right because i think that always goes to the the sale and the residual effect of the recruiting process for you but with that being said i mean there's something to be said with Continue to get better, but if you have elite talent coming in where you can use the different position flexibility, I mean, we saw him play inside a little bit more in different things of that nature, but absolutely, you want your guys that you have internally to rise to the occasion. I mean, there's some younger guys too, like Zion Tracy or King Mack, the safeties, and different like because even AJ Harris, he's coming in as a corner, but he has position flexibility to be able to move inside and play that star position, and that sometimes takes away. a a safety person that's playing that um, role because he's extremely physical, has great football instincts and has some like premier safety qualities along with playing corner. So that nice hybrid type of defensive back that you see coming in. So with that, I mean, you have long, good football players in the back end and with that creates mismatches on the offense. So I think the more you collect that type of talent, Is imperative but it's also imperative for the internal talent to continue to rise and get better
1: sure um before we go any further we're going to talk about aj harris here in just a moment but thank you all for tuning in live like comment subscribe turn on notifications rate us follow us on social media x instagram and tiktok at state of state pod if you got a comment or question hop in the comments section i see a few already we're gonna get to them let's talk about aj harris five-star recruit Out of the state of Alabama, Penn State has had a decent run as of late getting talent out of the state of Alabama. And you and I always talk about is that the map for college football continues to shrink as resources become greater. But getting A.J. Harris is very interesting. Only played in seven games, 89 total snaps this past year for the University of Georgia. He was initially brought in when Fran Brown was the defensive backs coach at Georgia. Fran Brown is now off to be the head coach at Syracuse. And you and I have spoken very highly of the way that he took that job and was received by the Syracuse Orange fan base. It sounds like his departure meant a lot to A.J. Harris. There was also discussions out there that A.J. Harris may have been a little bit put off by the concept of moving to safety. He is not the fastest corner you are going to see, probably in the range of a 4.5. Ran about an 11.42 in the 100-meter dash in high school. So it's not that he is slow by any means, but in terms of that top-end 4.344 speed, hell, 4.2 if you're lucky to find it. It, it, he doesn't necessarily have that. Penn State's very, very deep at safety at this moment. I know a lot of people are looking to the days of Jaquan Brisker and Jair Brown of, oh, wow, that was deep. It's like, yeah, but there are three. You mentioned King Mac. There are really reasonably four guys that Penn State can trot out at, at safety. Harris feels like a little bit more of a long-term project as multiple years of eligibility, which is great. Where do you see Harris fitting in and what do you like about him?
0: Where do I see Harris fitting in? I, I see him fitting in and, and somewhere in the starting rotation, whether it is at that nickel position or even moving outside. Like you said, that speed deficiency or – yeah, yeah I'll call that speed deficiency – is a is an issue. I know that's an issue internally. I know they collect speed. I know how my, my dad looks at corners. It's like speed. But the one thing that I have seen about him, I mean, he has a good feel for the football game. Like he's extremely physical, breaks on balls. He's a very efficient football player from the defensive back standpoint. So I would see him coming in and like as a playmaker on the defensive side, I don't know if it's a nickel of a spot or the corner corner position, but there's a, there's a maturation process where, you know, yeah, I might not want to play safety or things of that nature at this spot, but then you start seeing success when you're put in the right situation um, with the right expectations and you have a different outcome. So, I mean, I think him within Tom Allen's defense is extremely, aggressive physical type of coach he seems to fit within that culture so i mean that's what i like about him and i think that's i see him fit in that
1: um eli here in the comment section kind of on the tail of what you were saying there who starts wait and see i think there's high end potential with kimber especially harris it's going to be much more of wait and see he only has played one season of college football he is a true freshman so he is developing to do um, but the question here, I think, is interesting. What is Tom Allen's scheme? So what do you expect from Tom Allen in 2024?
0: Ooh, I, to be honest with you, I think Tom Allen's going to have to adapt a little bit to Penn State's scheme. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, even last year when Manny Diaz came, the staff was still intact. I think well, just a little bit. He kind of took over a third down back blitz package. We saw that prowler package come in. You kind of mix that in with the success that we had. We kind of created uh you know, historical type of defense. I think the same thing is going to happen with Tom Allen. He's going to come in and have a certain aspect of the defense, but I don't know if 13 defensive coaches are going to try to learn something new from him. I think there's going to be a, a combining of the minds where he takes over a piece and adds his wrinkle into where it needs to fit to make something special. Again, I think that's what's so unique about high-level football programs is com- the, minds, the combining of minds, the philosophies, and putting out something that – I mean, it's special. So, with that being said, I mean, I think he'll if taking over the third down package or whatever he oversees when he comes into the to the fold. I, I think the defense is going to look similar to the, that. It look similar to how it looked last year.
1: Here's the thing for me about the the defense as a whole, right? Is, yeah, you're losing Adisa, Isaac, and Chopper Robinson. That is a big deal. So, pass rusher is going to be a focus for the next eight months. You get back Devon Elise and Akeem Beeman, and I believe Kozaya Izard. So the interior of your defensive line, Zane Duran as well, should be intact. Now, I'm not saying that was the greatest defensive tackle core ever fielded, and that's no slight against those guys, but... There have I can think of some Bama and Georgia D tackle rooms that were freaking amazing, and it's just this this group has time to develop, which is good. Yes. Defensive end, you want to see where Deny Dennis Sutton and a Amin Vanover, Jamil Lyons, Uriah Fisher, where those guys wind up going, and some guys that just came in in the twenty twenty four class, maybe some freshmen that contribute. Linebacker. Abdul Carter is going to be looked to as the guy, whereas it's been Curtis Jacobs looked to as the guy the last few years, the man, the guy with more experience. Kobe King has developed. I'd be very interested if Tony Rojas jumps into the starting rotation because awesome. last year, the last two years, consistently, we saw Manny Diaz gravitate more towards a base defensive alignment that was four to five. Five defensive backs, two linebackers, four down linemen. Now, part of that alignment, those five defensive backs, two safeties, three corners. Daquan Hardy gave you so much flexibility because he's one of the best nickel corners in America. He's going to hopefully make a lot of money on Sundays. Inherently, it feels like you could still put five out there, but maybe it's three safeties and two corners. It could be three linebackers and just four defensive backs, and you protect yourself in terms of that safety depth. Who knows? It feels like there's just a little bit more options in regard to that back seven. What do you think?
0: I mean, I think in the perfect world, if I was going to drop a secondary, I would want, I mean, if, if the four back end guys, you would want them to be six one or six foot one ninety, six foot one ninety, and the back two guys, 205, six one, two oh five, six one, six two, two ten basically like bodies so like Mm -hmm. when you're getting a whole bunch of defensive backs that have similar skills you can interchange them i think that's what made manny diaz's defense so unique is that we were able to have position flexibility with the back end with someone's motion and you can rock and roll and play a different type of uh defense i mean just for example when i mean marcus allen and um what's my other guy uh scott was in the back end, like you couldn't rotate. Nick Scott, yes, Nick Scott. When well, Nick, my bad. Shout out to Nick Scott, NFL uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion. Yes, sir. Great, great safety, right? But even with the way we had to operate the defense then, there were certain situations that we had to get out of because couldn't put Marcus in certain situations and wanted to see Nick in certain situations. When you have guys that can move along, it's just free. Like oh, we just bounce, rotate, and then you can kind of keep blitzes on. You can be more aggressive and. Have a little bit more exposure on the back end because you're matching up from a man to man standpoint, and you have that those skill traits across the board. So, to answer that, that's what I would I think that's what they're going for on the back end at Penn State's building uh, building pro, their program on the defensive back end.
1: Staying on the corners here, and I do want to get to the rest of the defense here in a bit, but you add Kimber and you add Harris, it feels like the buzz around them is that similar feeling that we have been you know, wrapping our heads around in regard to Julian Fleming. Ooh, coming from a big brand school, he must be good. So it's like, oh, Georgia defensive back, and you get a Florida defensive back, and the Georgia guy was a five-star recruit, and people start freaking out about the stars and stuff. I, I get that, but I come back to everybody chill. Everybody just relax. Let's not forget Jalen Kimber. I didn't forgot to mention this. Jalen Kimber was initially committed to Louisville and flipped to Penn State. So credit to Terry Smith for pulling that one out of the the proverbial fire. But it's fans, I think, get so hung up on the fact, Justin, that he was at this school, so he must be this.
0: There's, there's right, I mean, 100%. We do that in corporate America, where it's like a company looks like, oh, they went to Harvard, they went to Princeton, or they worked at Deloitte, they worked at Bain, and it's like, we just give them credit for being extremely smart. And it's like, not always the case. But with that, when someone's coming in, I think the comfortability or just that ease that I feel is that I understand Coach Smith's coaching philosophy, and he has evidence of impact of developing DBs, right? So the last six years, he's put six NFL DBs, um, six guys into the NFL. So when you look at those type of, I mean, again, evidence of impact of what you're able to do, I kind of chill a little bit on what's going to happen. Because the thing about defensive back is, I mean, coaching matters across the board, but there's a level of how you're coached at defensive back that really makes a change, whether it's from a confidence standpoint, whether it's from uh, how you're taught to discover like, certain routes, whether it's from a, a confidence first or a fear first. Right? You may have, have a coach that says, hey, watch out for a double move, watch out for this, and never really give you instances of when you can be aggressive and attack. And that's from coach to coach, whether it's the program and like their record and how they have to play with their offense. Whether It can be so many different aspects. And I think what we've seen at Penn State is elite coaching from uh, Coach Jerry Smith an elite talent acquisition from the standpoint of finding defensive backs with the right traits and skill sets and develop them to their max. No one was really checking for Joey Porter when he was coming out of high school, right? Like Kalen King. I mean, he was another guy that was a four-star. I mean, him, Will Johnson, Abbott, Michigan, were coming out around the same time and just seeing how these guys are able to develop is something that really pay, I mean, um, uh, Monty Amorway, like these are guys that really developed and got to their 10. So if I'm going to recruit the transfer portal and i'm looking to be developed and go to the next level i mean you have to look at penn state and you have to look at him as one of the top defensive back coaches in the country just in the standpoint from the talent acquisition and development and deployment standpoint which is the merit of the position so
1: and and we talk about i i've talked about ohio state has brian hartline as one of the best wide receiver coaches in america that draws great wide receiver talent Terry Smith is breeding the same thing at Penn State, and it speaks volumes that a kid went to Georgia in A.J. Harris, followed Fran Brown, obviously thought the world of Fran Brown. That guy left, and it's like, man, I need to find the right place for me, and Terry Smith was an answer. And granted, there was that uh, established relationship from the pre- of the previous recruiting process, but still it speaks volumes to what Terry has done. We showed the graphic here moments ago for those – watching on YouTube. And for those listening, uh, Terry Smith helped coach an NFL draft pick each of the last six years. They are Joey Porter Jr., Tariq Castro-Field, Zach McPherson, John Reed, Amani Uruwarie, I hope I didn't butcher that, and Christian Campbell. And it looks like there will be three Penn State defensive backs that will be drafted this year. Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, and Daquan Hardy. And speaking of SEC transitions, this is right in line with what Johnny Dixon did coming from South Carolina to Penn state, having a ton of success.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you just gave the, you know, just wrote the dissertation on it because that's really what it is. Like, cause even all those guys, when you look at them coming out of high school, none of them weren't, they didn't all have five-star talent. Like Monty was a little slower. John Reed, we would say would be undersized. We didn't know, no one knew what Joey Porter was going to be. I mean, uh, Christian Campbell's a three-star out of Phoenix, Alabama. And you just kind of see, the maximizing of talent. So now when you start getting the tools and we like to say like you're building furniture, like no, now you get the mahogany wood and now you can really like put some things together. I, I I really believe that that is what we're seeing. And it's just, it's a position that people don't always pay attention to. So now that we're seeing it in the track record, that Penn State has like, Since he's been here, this has been the best run of defensive backs in the history of Penn State. To where when I was at Penn State, I mean, it's linebacker, you, this, that, and the third one. I was coming out at the NFL draft. There was a question mark if I could play in the NFL because I was a Penn State corner. So like Mm -hmm. the branding of even from the NFL talent acquisition was negative. And now it's a a, a spot to be like, oh, these DBs are going to come in ready to play. Look at Joey Porter's rookie year with the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the top performing NFL DBs across the board, let alone being a rookie. And like that's from the development from Terry Smith and his time at Penn State, so really setting up Penn State to be a premier place for defensive backs is like amazing to see because that was always my goal when I came back in 2017.
1: <laughs> to Joey Porter Jr.'s cre- uh, credit, they don't give that number 24 away in Pittsburgh for anybody. Ike Taylor wore that thing for years. That means a lot in the Steel City. That's important. Uh, preps.com hopping in here. Lock. Down absolutely lockdown. You, this is a big day, Joe. Hopping in the comment section here big, big portal wins. Will these two commitments today start this season? We were answering that a little bit before. It's way too early to tell if these are going to start. I think there's probably a greater potent- potential for Kimber to start than Harris, but I wouldn't be shocked if both these guys saw substantial playing time in the season, because now you fortunately have seven cornerbacks on the roster and can compete for those at least two starting spots, but you're going to need that nickel package, that dime package. And I talked about it safety, Justin, is that you've got KJ Winston, who had a wonderful rookie campaign. Add in Jalen Reed with a lot of experience now, Zaki Wheatley with a lot of experience. King Mac is somebody that we've had uh, Kenny Sanders on this show. We've had Alan Midas on this show, and they've spoken very, very highly of King Mac playing with violence. Very, very similar to Jaquan Brisker's early evaluations. I don't want to you know, jump the gun with King by any means, but still, there's a lot more depth at safety that we know as opposed to corner. So again, it's just way too early to tell who's going to start. Robert hopping in here. Let's not overstate it. Agents, no doubt, told all three they'd be drafted. They may not. Um, Robert, I strongly disagree with you. (laughs) Kalen King and Johnny Dixon will go off the board. Daquan Hardy, I could see him slipping, but not because of his ability, but because the thought process. And, Justin, you tell me what you think about this. The dedication in your draft board to a nickel corner, somebody that you're not trotting out there every single down on defense, may be lesser than other positions of need.
0: Well, I would correct you on the fact that may have been a, may have been the case, but the value of a nickel has gone through the roof with the spread offenses and how Fair. things have worked. So with that, I think that is one of the reasons one of the reasons hardy left is the the increased value of the nickel position and the and the things that he's been able to put on film and with that i mean i do i mean i think all three are going to get uh, drafted from just speaking to scouts every single week and so rob i've been talking to the source <laughs> <laughs> so i think they might get drafted but, all three you
1: know. i would be sho- i would all, i would genuinely be shocked if all three of them did not get drafted and if it was like one of them didn't get drafted i would i would be pretty shocked
0: no, I mean I, I understand the Hardy situation. I mean he's coming out in this uh, again. It, it's he's a I'm calling a purple dot from coming in from high school to college, but he's like a playmaker, returner, nickel, and again those are oh, wow. premier value positions at certain organizations in the NFL. And I think he's put enough on film to not be considered like oh he's just like a small, undersized DB, right? Mm-hmm. Like he like he's an elite nickelback, and that's a different category.
1: So, again, Penn State lands Florida defensive back Jalen Kimber and Georgia defensive back A.J. Harris today in the transfer portal. Huge news. An underlying story that Penn State fans are following is a comment here from Joe that I want to bring forward. And this is very facetious and tongue-in-cheek. There is no concrete information behind this. Joe just saying, quote, congrats on James Franklin going to Alabama. Now, the news that broke yesterday and rattled the college football world, Nick Saban has retired and is no longer the head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Something that is unfathomable, but at the same time, he's 72. He has made his money. He has done everything there is to do. He is arguably the greatest college football coach that ever lived. Six national championships. There were a bevy of names thrown out by reporters speculatively as who could potentially take the Alabama job. Names like Dan Lanning at Oregon, names like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, names like James Franklin from Penn State. I feel like the person taking this job at Alabama has to be perfect. And not that they need to be the perfect choice, but it has to be something that that fan base is going to accept and comprehend. It's a damn near impossible job because you're trying to fill those shoes i don't envy the person who takes this job i personally feel very strongly that james franklin is not going from penn state to alabama if he is be the first person to knock on my door and tell me that i was wrong but i would be freaking stunned if alabama pursued james franklin and if james franklin wanted to leave for alabama
0: well, I wouldn't be stunned if Alabama pursued James Sprinklin. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't okay. be stunned if they pursued him. Now, if he would go, that's a different story. I mean, he's a pretty smart guy when it comes to charting his career and where he has, you know, some level of leverage and what he's been able to build. But like, let's not get it twisted. I know sometimes it happens when we're here, but he's a he's a premier He's a top eight coach in the uh, undoubtedly in college football. And when we think of a position. Like Alabama, I think you have to make sure that the head coach operates within the whole culture, right? Even from the standpoint of Joe Moorhead taking a job at Mississippi State. Is he a great coach? Yes. Is Mississippi State and living in Mississippi the great fit for Joe Moorhead? Probably not. And I would look at the same type of thing with James, but from the other side. I mean, I can understand why Alabama, if they're looking down their short list of coaches, they'll come into the situation What he's been able to do and turn around at Penn state over the past 10 years. You have to consider him. I mean, so, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's built something special at Penn state and he wants to finish the finish the job.
1: And again, I come back to what is the guy that is going to appease the Alabama fan base? There's that video out there of Alabama fan Willie, in in tears and i think he was extremely drunk so let's factor that in but like this is a fan base that has gotten used to winning at a very high level nothing against james franklin but in 10 years one big 10 title a lot of 11 and 10 win seasons but has not gotten over the hump i think that would upset alabama fans that would be like "Eh." now you could point towards his experience in the sec had success at vanderbilt those are not even the same world, Alabama and Vanderbilt, within the uh, within the SEC, let's say that. To me, Justin, and this is just spitballing, the only guy that makes sense, the only guy that has the balls to do it is Lane Kiffin, and I believe Greg McElroy already came out today publicly and I guess had maybe some inside information is that Lane Kiffin's already out in regard to being a candidate
0: that's who i would have picked I, I would have said lane kiffin and just and to your point where it's like the winner situation i would my, my rebuttal or retort to that is that every person that you named on that list only one person has a national championship and that's Davo sweeney i mean so from that standpoint i think all coaches are losers then if like if we hold that standard <laughs> of like if you don't win a national championship we just got to know like jim harbaugh he never beat urban byron you know what i mean so like when we think of winning it becomes relative until you see that thing through because now jim harbaugh is the I mean, he's going to be considered one of the top coaches in college football or Mm -hmm. coaching in in general. But like, just three years ago, we were talking about, is it too big for him? Is it the right fit? And all these different things. So I guess I'm saying that to say is the winning is relative. I mean, like to be honest, because I've seen different records get portrayed or storytelling behind different lesser records uh, hyped up a little bit differently than even James. And so I think the winning thing is... It's interesting in college sports because every fan base has a different requirement of winning. Like sure. Texas, A&M, Texas A&M, like they, they want to win a national championship, but they'll probably never win more than 9 to 10 games. Like they are who they are just based on everything else. So it's like you have to hit your maximum in whatever that ecosystem is. Because, I mean, I've talked to my friends this morning. Like this, To be honest, we look at the – if we just put up 10 years of Penn State history forever – you can slap up the past ten years against any ten-year span and kind of argue which, like which run is better. So I think he could be up for it, uh, but I don't think it's a fit for him. So I'm saying all that to say is he stays put and we keep trying to finish the job here at Penn State.
1: I agree. I will say this about whoever takes the Alabama job is that you are in store for a wonderful buyout. <laughs> it's it's Man, gonna be a long. Impossible. If it were me, I would argue or I would negotiate for a Jimbo Fisher-esque buyout, if not greater, since the market has now been set. Because I do not envy whoever takes that job. Because how do you follow arguably the greatest coach ever?
0: You can't how do you do it? You come in as authentic as possible and you have to be able to stand on, stand 10 toes down and like create your own. Your own lane within that organization. Because I think whatever organization—I mean, Alabama is a strong organization—but within that organization, it has to still appease those Alabama fans, like Alabama Willie, right? Because I, I mean, I've seen it here in Pittsburgh. Like everyone's thinking, like, who's going to replace Bill Cowher, like the great Bill Cowher? Mm-hmm. And we saw someone who came the 11th choice, or so whoever, however low Mike Tomlin was on the list to come in, and he came in with his own unique style that fit within the stillers organization but i think that's kudos to the stillers organization and knowing what they're looking for i think a lot of times in college football these administrators and college programs they don't know what they're looking for they just see like hey i want that guy or i want the guy that has a high pff or i want this like so that's my whole situation so it's going to be interesting to see uh how their little talent acquisition process goes and who lands at alabama
1: Time will tell. But the news today for all of us Penn State football fans, Penn State has landed Florida defensive back Jalen Kimber and Georgia defensive back A.J. Harris in the transfer portal. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This is going to post on our audio-only platforms. Certainly a big day for Penn State football. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, let us know what you think of the show on social media and check out all of our content on X, Instagram, and TikTok. Search for the handle at State of State Pod. State of State is presented by Bet Online and by Blue White Outfitters.